Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, June 20th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we'll recap another pretty fun series and pretty successful series of Orioles baseball at Camden Yards over the weekend. The O's take two out of three from the Tampa Bay Rays in three one-run games and get to 30 wins on the season almost a month earlier than they did so last year. And I'll get you my three big takeaways from the weekend series, starting with a couple of unproven starters stepping up for the Orioles, then their closer Jorge Lopez, and why he's more than just a good closer in a Baltimore Orioles sense, and then we'll talk about why the O's have played so many more one-run games this year, and why they're built better for those one-run games this season. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we're recapping an Orioles series victory as they take two out of three from the Tampa Bay Rays over the weekend at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. And it was a fun weekend of baseball, three one-run games as the Orioles win it one nothing on Friday night. They did lose 7-6 to on Saturday, but come back and win the Father's Day game by a score of 2-1 to on Sunday to finish with their second consecutive series win over the Rays, now 4-5 and against Tampa this year after they were 1-18 and against the Rays last season. And the O's are now 30-38 and on the year. They get their 30th win of the season on June 19th, they did not get win number 30 last year until July 18th. So just about a month earlier, they pick up their 30th victory. Of course, this team playing a whole lot better baseball this year than they were last season. And I'm going to get you my three big takeaways from the weekend of Orioles baseball coming up on today's episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's get right to it. Orioles and Rays, a three-game series of the O's, take two out of three, winning the series on Sunday in the rubber match. And my first big takeaway from the weekend is that in the two Orioles wins on Friday and Sunday this weekend, they had some somewhat unproven starting pitchers really step up and do their job to help the Orioles to victory. Because, listen, you know, the O's did give up seven runs on Saturday, and six of them came off of Kyle Bradish, who started the game and, you know, has been having some struggles lately. I do think the O's keep Bradish in the rotation moving forward because they kind of have to at this point. But, uh, you know, the other two starters really pitched well for the Orioles. The O's gave up a combined one run in the two wins this weekend on Friday and Sunday. And that had a lot to do with what Dean Kramer did on Friday and what Austin Voth did on Sunday. Let's start with Kramer, who had another really solid start for the O's. In the Friday night game, he really set the tone for this weekend for Baltimore. Goes out there and tosses six scoreless innings 
for the Orioles. Allowed just five hits, struck out five, walked just one batter in those six innings. Only took him 82 pitches as well. Was really efficient getting through six. Now, look, the Rays had some solid contact on the day. They did have nine hard hit balls against Kramer in those six innings, and he gave up the five hits and the walk. So that's six base runners in six innings, but he was able to work out of any damage, any trouble that he got himself into. And I was really impressed by Kramer in this one. And it it kind of... You know, it's interesting to look at it as compared to his last start when he started last Sunday in Kansas City against the Royals. Now, the Orioles won that game, and Kramer, you know, got into the sixth inning in that one as well. But he was kind of erratic in that game in Kansas City, as I talked about. You know, he would throw two pitches almost to the backstop, and then he'd dot the corner with a cutter for a strike. This time, he had much better command and control of all his pitches on Friday night, and it showed with what he could do. Got 12 whiffs on 45 swings. And seven of those 12 whiffs came from that four-seam fastball. He threw it 40 out of his 82 pitches, so just less than half were the four-seamer. And, you know, the velo was right around where it's been all year, 93 to 95 for Kramer. But he was getting swings and misses on that pitch. And really for Dean Kramer, that is a huge thing for him to get swings and misses on that four-seam fastball because he's used his curveball so much less lately, only threw five curveballs out of 82 pitches on Friday. That used to be his whiff pitch. Now he's going to his changeup more. Changeup was actually his second most used pitch on the day. That's the first time this season. It's usually the cutter is that number two pitch. Got three whiffs on the change as well. I just really liked what I saw. He gave the Orioles length. You know, he probably could have pitched into the seventh inning if the Orioles wanted to, if it wasn't a one nothing game. Well, really, when he left, it was a 0-0 game. You know, the O's didn't score until the seventh with the uh, RBI single from Adley Rutschman, which was their only run on Friday. So if it's not a 0-0 game, if the O's are up 5 or 6 nothing, Kramer might come back out for the seventh at just 82 pitches. But I really like where he's at. And after such a disastrous 2021, you know, he came up in the shortened season in 2020, showed all those positives. It all fell apart last year. So good to see him getting back on track with not just the bad last year, but the the terrible timing on the injury this year that kept him out for the first two months. And now we're seeing why Dean Kramer did make the opening day roster this year before he had that oblique injury. But then I want to go over to Sunday starter, who obviously did not impact the game as much as Dean Kramer did, but Austin Voth still did his job on Sunday. And now Voth was not supposed to be the Orioles starter on Sunday. Of course, the O's claimed both off waivers from the Nationals a couple weeks ago, put him in the bullpen to kind of be a long guy, a mop-up guy, a veteran guy who's, you know, pitched in the bigs for a little bit, who they thought maybe could be a reclamation project as well, which I talked about on an earlier episode. But Jordan Lyles gets scratched from his Sunday start. Luckily, it turned out, you know, obviously not a great day for Lyles on Father's Day to have a stomach virus that keeps him out from starting this game. But it was obviously good to hear it's just a stomach virus and not some sort of injury that's going to keep him out for an extended time. Heck, once he recovers, you know, 24, 48 hours, he will most likely start either the Tuesday or Wednesday game at Camden Yards against the Nationals. So it'll just cause his start to be pushed back a couple of days. But Austin Voth gets thrown into the fire. I mean, really, your two options were either Voth or Mike Bauman to start because Keegan Aiken threw two innings on Saturday. Those are your two spot starting options. And because Bauman's been used as a reliever only since the Orioles have called him up this year, really the only option for Brandon Hyde was to go to Austin Voth, who started a lot when he was with the Washington Nationals. 
And we don't know what we're going to get because, you know, he hasn't looked stellar at all since the Oros claimed him. And he was terrible with the Nationals this year before they DFA'd him. But Austin Voth got the ball and had his best appearance on the mound of the season, whether it's with the Nationals or with the Orioles. And it was huge on Sunday. And listen, he only recorded eight outs. The Orioles still needed to use seven pitchers to get that win. But they were eight huge outs. Voth goes two and two-thirds inning scoreless, allowing just three hits. He strikes out four and walked just one on the day. And I get it. It's a Rays offense that has been struggling. They're very injured. They're not exactly the Rays team that we saw early this season in terms of the offense. But it took him only 41 pitches to get those eight outs. And, you know, there were three hard hit balls against him. But the stuff was crisp. And here was a really interesting stat from the day that I tweeted out over at Locked on Orioles. Austin Voth had seven whiffs on the day on 41 pitches. Seven whiffs on 17 swings. Pretty good number. Had two on his four-seamer, two on his curveball, three on his cutter. Seven whiffs in two and two-thirds, you'll take that number. Pretty pretty solid number. Corey Kluber, who threw six strong innings for the Rays, gave up two runs over six. Corey Kluber had seven whiffs in his entire start in six innings. So both got the same amount of whiffs in less than half of the time on the mound. That That's what was impressive from Austin Voth. And here's the other thing that was really intriguing. You know, when Voth came over, we talked about on a previous episode about what the Orioles could do to try and fix him because he still has some interesting underlying stats. There's a reason why the Orioles claimed a guy who had an ERA of 10 with the Nationals. And what we looked at was, while his fastball can play up, he needs to throw his curveball more and maybe even throw it more than he throws his fastball because it's such a good curveball, good spin rate, good break, some of the best in baseball. And what does he do? Well, he throws 41 pitches on Sunday, 15 four-seamers, that was his most used pitch, but then 13 curveballs and 13 cutters. He basically used his three pitches pretty evenly on the day, and it worked out. You know, the three whiffs on the cutter, that pitch was deadly. The curveball got some swings and misses in the dirt. He got some strikeouts with that thing. You know, the fastball was 93 to 95, and it played up with that spin rate. That was the best we've seen Austin both in either uniform this season. And what a job it was. And listen, we knew before the game, Brandon Hyde said it, you know, don't expect anything more than maybe three innings from Austin Voth. He gives them two and two-thirds scoreless. You'll take that every day in a spot start. And now he'll go back to the bullpen now, but... Because the Orioles have, you know, some concerns with Bruce Zimmerman going down and Brad is struggling and Lyles with the stomach virus, if they need a starter in another pinch, this has given them confidence that they can go to Austin Voth. And it's not just the fact that he helped the Orioles win on Sunday, but the fact that they can now have more confidence in him as well makes it even more interesting. And, you know, the O's need to get rid of a pitcher on the roster on Monday. We've talked about many times this year, MLB enforcing a rule where you can only have up to 13 pitchers on your 26-man roster. Now, they lengthened the rule where you could have 14. They kept pushing it back and pushing it back. Well, today is the deadline officially where it has to be, you know, most teams will carry 13 pitchers and 13 hitters. Well, the Orioles currently have 14 pitchers and 12 hitters, and so they're going to need to get rid of someone off the roster. And I really thought before the day on Sunday— I thought it was probably down to Austin Voth and Mike Bauman. Now, Bauman has options. Voth does not. So that probably makes it easier for the Orioles to option a guy like Bauman. But if Voth had pitched terribly, there's a good chance he could have been DFA'd to open that spot. Now that he pitched like this, he probably saved himself a roster spot moving forward with the Orioles. And we'll see how his role 
maybe continues to uh, to change a little bit after eight strong outs helping the O's to a win on Sunday. But Voth and Kramer, they were not the only two pitchers who helped the Orioles this weekend. In fact, you could make an argument that the most important pitcher this weekend for Baltimore was their closer in Jorge Lopez, who had two really impressive four-out saves over the weekend. And coming up next, we'll talk about Lopez's impressive weekend, but not only that, his impressive season and why Jorge Lopez should be in L.A. for the All-Star Game come July. But first, let's talk about a product that we talk about here on the show that I use literally every day. From Athletic Greens, it is AG1. And I started taking AG1 because I wanted better gut health, more energy for the podcast, and wanted an optimized immune system as well. And, you know, you might be wondering, you hear me talk about what is this stuff? What is AG1? Well, with one delicious scoop, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. It's really got everything in this supplement. And it's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything, but it still tastes good. And maybe that's not the best part, but that's a really good part because we know there's some supplements out there that do not taste good at all. And listen, it costs you less than $3 a day, so what's not to like about AG1? And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free, that's free, one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So the Orioles take two out of three from the Rays over the weekend to get to 30 and 38 on the year, winning the Friday and Sunday games. And a big part of the Orioles winning those Friday and Sunday games was Jorge Lopez, who got a four-out save in each of those two games. And the second thing, my second big takeaway from this weekend series win over Tampa Bay, is that Jorge Lopez, frankly, should be an all-star when we get to the all-star game at Dodger Stadium in mid-July, just about a month from now. He has been absolutely ridiculous this year. So after Friday, when he comes into the game in the eighth inning with two outs and gets the final four outs, goes an inning and a third scoreless, one hit, four Ks, no walks, gets his 10th save. Then Sunday comes right back out there. Runner on first, two down in a one-run game in the eighth inning. Gets all four outs. Inning and a third, one hit, no runs. Now, didn't have any Ks in that one, but no walks as well. And gets his 11th save. So throws two and two-thirds scoreless innings over the weekend. Each time in a one-run game. Came in in the 8th, in the 1-0 with runners on on Friday. Came in in the 8th, 2-1 to one with a runner on on Sunday. Got the four outs each time with his son, Mikhail, in the crowd as well on Father's Day Sunday. That was a really cool moment. Had to have been for Jorge with everything that he and his son have been through. But you look at what Lopez has done this year. His stats now after this weekend, 29 appearances, Jorge Lopez has a 0.79 ERA, 0.79. 
That is three earned runs allowed in 34 and a third innings. Again, he's got the 11 saves, only 16 hits allowed. He struck out 34, walked just 13. No home runs allowed, has just a 0.84 whip on the season. And those are ridiculous stats. But, you know, how do they play up to other relievers, other great relievers? Well, I put this tweet out on Saturday after Lopez has gotten the four-out save on Friday night, comparing Jorge Lopez's stats to Zach Britton's stats when he had maybe the best season of any reliever ever in 2016, when he was perfect, 47 out of 47 on saves, had a sub-1 ERA, and of course didn't pitch in the wildcard game, as we know, but was just absolutely dominant and got Cy Young votes that year. Well, Jorge Lopez, now updating those stats I tweeted out on Saturday, because he has the four outs that he got with the save on Sunday, he has better stats. Now, not by a crazy amount. And you could argue that his stats are worse. I would maybe call it even. Maybe a little better by Lopez. Better ERA. But we mentioned Lopez's .79 ERA through 29 appearances. For Zach Britton in 2016, through 29 appearances, a .91 ERA, that is higher than Lopez's, 29 and two-thirds innings, that's five innings less than Lopez. Now he had 21 saves, Lopez has 11. A lot of that has to do with the fact that the Orioles were a playoff team in 2016. The 2022 Orioles, despite playing better, are not a playoff team. Britain had allowed 15 hits, just about the same as Lopez. Three earned runs, same as Lopez. 34 Ks, same as Lopez. Seven walks a little lower. And he had allowed one home run, which Jorge has not allowed one. I mean, basically across the board, through 29 appearances, Jorge Lopez basically neck and neck with what Zach Britton did in 2016. That's ridiculous because that's a top five season ever by a relief pitcher, what Britain did in 2016. And that's what Jorge Lopez is on pace for. And I mean, he's kind of doing it with the same kind of stuff that Britain had. Now, Lopez throws more pitches. Britain was, you know, 85% sinkers with that slider thrown in there from time to time. Lopez throws that sinker, but he throws the slider and he'll throw the curveball in there as well and try to toss in a changeup. But. They were both throwing high 90 sinkers. We saw Lopez hit 99 multiple times this weekend. And with good breaking balls and get guys off balance, and they're getting guys to beat the ball into the ground. You know, Jorge Lopez has right around a 70% ground ball rate this year. Zach Britton was just shy of 80% that year. So both kind of doing the same thing with the ground balls. I know Britton was a lefty and Lopez is a righty, but it's eerily similar to what they're doing. And remember, both were failed starters who didn't just convert to relievers in the minors. Zach Britton got a good chunk of time as a starter in the majors before he moved to the bullpen, as did Jorge Lopez. I'm not saying the O's have their next Zach Britton, because he was incredible, as we know. But man, this has been fun to watch Jorge Lopez do this. And he needs to be an all-star. I get if things go the wrong way over the next month, maybe he won't be. But... Every year, more and more true relievers are taken for the All-Star game. There were seven relievers on the American League All-Star team in 2021. Lopez is easily a top seven reliever in the American League right now. I mean, you can make a strong argument. He's the second best relief pitcher in the American League right now. Clay Holmes has been on another world, another dimension as the Yankees closer, especially since Chapman's been out. Nobody's touching Clay Holmes right now. But Jorge Lopez, you can make a strong argument, is the second best relief pitcher in the American League. And the AL had seven relievers on the All-Star team last year. Now, they picked five to start the game, and then two relievers replaced 
two starting pitchers who had started the game on Sunday before the All-Star game and, and decided to sit out, and then they added two more relievers. But even with five on the initial team, Lopez is definitely a top five reliever in the American League. So if you're picking the team right now, I think he's an easy All-Star. And you got to give a spot to Austin Hayes or Trey Mancini, you would think. So the O's probably have two All-Stars right now. But, I mean, Lopez has just been ridiculous. And the other thing he's doing, you know, he walked some guys early this year. You know, he's got the 13 walks in 34 and a third. It's not really a bad number. But he was walking some guys early. His stats lately are just mind-boggling. Jorge Lopez has not allowed an earned run in June. In his eight June appearances now, he's worked 11 innings, one run. It was unearned. So a zero ERA, 12 strikeouts, no walks in June. 12 straight appearances for Jorge Lopez without an earned run and 10 straight appearances now for Lopez without a walk. So not only is he being dominant, he's throwing strikes. He's not putting any free guys on base. And he's not just a three-out, ninth-inning save guy. Brandon Hyde is time and time again going to him for at least four outs, sometimes five outs, and a couple times Jorge Lopez has gotten six outs this year because he comes you know, as recently as last year from that starting pitcher background. And he's still got the four-pitch mix. This is just so fun to watch. He needs to be an all-star. And if he keeps pitching like this, he's going to be a shoe-in all-star. But I think the world is starting to know of Jorge Lopez, the reliever. And I've talked about it. You know, Orioles Twitter, Orioles fans, I think we were all over it, especially last year. Like, it's time. He's got the stuff. He just can't get through the lineup a third time. Move him to the bullpen. And a lot of the reason they didn't because the Orioles just needed starting pitching so desperately that they kept him in the rotation over the last couple of years. But when they moved into the bullpen last year, he was good. Then he had the injury and we didn't get to see him. He, He makes the team out of the pen this year, kind of as the closer to start the season. And we thought he was going to be pretty good. I don't think any of us thought he would be prime Zach Britton. And that's what he's been so far. And it is just, it's awesome. It is awesome what Jorge Lopez is doing right now. But listen, Lopez wasn't the only guy out of the bullpen who who had a great weekend. The O's got a lot of really good appearances from their relievers this weekend. And it's the reason why they were able to win two one-run games. And it's the reason why even they were able to stay in Saturday's game, even though they lost. And really, that bullpen has been a huge reason why the O's have won more games this year. They've been in more games, and they've played more one-run games. It's not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons why the O's just seem built better for one-run games. We'll talk about why that is as a whole and and look into how it pertains to the three one-run games from this weekend coming up next. But first, let's talk about betonline.net, which is really the one-stop shop for all of your sports betting needs. The number one source for all the betting needs, sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including the Stanley Cup Finals. The Colorado Avalanche look like maybe the best NHL team ever. Just pouring it on with a 7-0 win over the Lightning on Saturday night, they got a 2-0 lead. So do you want to just go after and hammer the Avs? Or you could probably get a pretty good price on Tampa Bay right now. They've won the last two Stanley Cups. Maybe they've got to come back in them. And of course, you got all your Major League Baseball action. And BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts like this one, and news this season. And it's not just the sports I've mentioned. It's also MMA, it's boxing, it's golf, it's everything you need. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. 
at BetOnline, where the game starts. So the Orioles, two out of three from the Rays this weekend. And after being swept in Tampa Bay to open the 2022 season, the O's have now won back-to-back series against the Rays. They're now 4-5 and five against Tampa this year after, again, going 1-18 against the Rays last season. That was rough to watch. This year it's been much better. And the Orioles now, listen, they are 14-19 and 19 against the AL East this year. You know, they are close to a, you know, almost 430-440 winning percentage against the American League East this year. They were right around a 200 winning percentage against the AL East in 2021. So they're playing this division, which has four teams vying for a playoff spot. They're playing these guys real, real close. And that's what's made the O's better as well. But speaking of playing them close, you know, my, my third and final big takeaway from the weekend is that the Orioles just seem this year more built to play these one-run games. And it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win all these one-run games, but the Orioles are now 10-12 and 12 in one-run games this season. They played three one-run games over the weekend. Of course, one, two out of the three. And those, you know, 22 one-run games on the season through 68 games. It's, it's a lot of close games. They only played 37 one-run games last year. They played 33 of them in 2019. So they're just playing more of those close games this year as well. And of course, they're winning more of them. They were 13 and 24 in one run games last year. They were 11 and 22 in one run games in 2019. And they were 7 and 12 in 2020. They're already 10 and 12 this year. I mean, their next one run win will match the amount they had in 2019. They need three more to match last year. They're just better in these spots. And the question kind of becomes why is that the case? Well, obviously, first thing you bring up is the bullpen. This is the best bullpen that Brandon Hyde has been able to manage. That's pretty clear. It's looking closer to the bullpens the O's had under Buck Showalter. It's not there yet. I'm not getting ahead of myself, but it's looking a lot closer than the recent bullpens we've seen. You've got Lopez, who we just talked about. You've got Felix Bautista pitching so, so well right now. Walk rate is lower than it ever was in the minors. How crazy is that? Felix Bautista had all these walk issues in the minors. His walk rate in his first major league season, lower than it ever was in his eight years in the minor leagues. You've got Dylan Tate, who I get it. You know, he did give up a run, loaded the bases in the ninth inning on Saturday, gave up what ended up being the the game-winning run in the ninth inning in the Rays' 7-6 win. But otherwise, he's been fantastic this year. CNL Perez, his underlying stats are much worse than his actual stats, but he's still getting people out. And then the O's have called up Nick Vespi, and he's been dynamite. I mean, had, you know, two more scoreless appearances this weekend as well. Got one Saturday and got one on Sunday. And you still have, you know, guys like Brian Baker, who they've been interesting and up and down, but he had a huge strikeout in Sunday's game. And, you know, the other guys that that have kind of mixed and matched and been in and out of the bullpen as well throughout the year. But these guys were once again, just really great. Just, just great, great, great again this weekend. Over the three games for the Orioles, their bullpen pitched 14 innings. That's that's a pretty sizable amount. Now, it's because they had Lyle scratch Sunday. They had to go with the spot starter. Austin Voth only goes two and two-thirds Sunday. But 14 innings, they allowed just two runs on 12 hits in those 14 innings with 19 strikeouts and just three walks from the bullpen all weekend. Incredibly impressive, including the bullpen didn't walk anybody in the Friday one nothing win. And so you look at what this pen is doing, 
And obviously, that's the number one reason why they're winning more close games. You know, you get a lead in the sixth or seventh inning, the O's can go to the Vespies, Perez, Tate, Bautista, Lopez, Baker, whoever it may be, and they can hold that lead, even if it's just the one run. You know, we saw it Friday. It was a 0-0 game until the seventh. Adley gets the RBI single. It's one nothing. O's can hold the lead. You know, they went up 2 nothing early in this game. Went up one nothing with the Santander Home run on Sunday, added to it with the Mullins RBI double. Rays got a run in the fourth, and then you know, you're know you up 2-1 after four innings, and you're already into the bullpen, and the bullpen holds it for five innings scoreless, and they win a 2-1 game despite the fact that you know the offense really didn't have a great weekend, especially Friday and Sunday. You know They scored a combined three runs in those two games and still won both of them. I mean, that's huge for a team like this. But you also got to remember, it feels like the offense— it's just a little more built to get these games back to one-run games. And what I'm talking about really is, is how Saturday's game went. Even though they lost the game, I get it. You know, a loss is a loss. You'd rather win that kind of game. And the O's had a chance. You know, it was 6-6 for a while in that game. They certainly could have won it. But at the end of the day, you're playing a game like that. You, you come out at least kind of happy with the result. I mean, the Orioles, they trailed early in that game. And, you know, you give up a four-run third. Kyle Bradish isn't looking too good. You're down 6-2, to two, heading to the bottom of the fifth. And all of a sudden, you rally for three in the fifth, one in the sixth. You're down 6-2, and then two innings later, boom, it's a 6-6 game heading to the seventh. You turn it over to your bullpen. And I get, you know, they couldn't score again. Tate gives up the run. They lose 7-6. But this offense, it seemed this year, has had so much firepower. They've had all these comebacks this year. And some of the comebacks, like Saturday, don't lead to a win. But you even have guys on Saturday. Robinson Chirinos had a three-for-four day with two doubles and four RBIs in the loss on Saturday. You don't expect that at all from Robinson Chirinos, who came into that game hitting 148. And that's what he does. And you get two hits from Mountcastle and Santander. And, you know, your big guys get the job done as well. But just to have that has been so impressive. And I think it's really twofold why the Orioles have A, played so many one-run games, even when they lose some like Saturday, and B, why they've won so many. Again, at 10 and 12 on the year, the bullpen is the big reason why they've won so many. But the offense, you know, when they go down 6-2 to two in the fifth inning, they're not done. And in past years, they've been kind of done when they went down 6-2 to two in the fifth. Not this year. Two innings later against a really good raised bullpen, boom, 6-6 six, six game. We're even again. And that's what's been so impressive about the Orioles. They're going to continue to play one-run games. I think they're built to win some more. As they, uh, they're only eight games under 500 right now. This is a much better baseball team than we saw last year, and they showed it this weekend with a series win over the Rays. And with that series win, the Orioles rewarded with a day off on Monday, and they're at home as well. Not even a travel day, so they get to uh, enjoy the city, do whatever they want on Monday. And then a two-game series starts on Tuesday. The Washington Nationals for a little Beltway battle coming up to Camden Yards, and I'll be back with you on the podcast tomorrow. We'll preview that quick little two-game series between the O's and the Nats, and uh, we'll get you what move the Orioles make. Remember, they have to cut down the number of pitchers. They have to send a pitcher down and add a hitter to the roster before Tuesday's game. We will talk about that, what move they made, and why they made it coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, you get it.